All right, so if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Mark chapter 7. Mark chapter 7, starting in verse 24. Last week, Kevin did a great job in sharing on the first half of Jesus' teaching on what true worship looks like, on having the inside clean versus merely external clean, uh, external religion versus internal relationship and true worship with God. Uh, that passage is is right here next to this uh, this passage of this woman, this Gentile woman who's considered unclean, I think strategically placed alongside next to each other to help us see Jesus cross some barriers here and go across uh, what many considered to be unclean. Let's go ahead and look in Mark chapter 7, starting in verse 24. And from there he arose and went to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And he entered a house and did not want anyone to know, yet he could not be hidden. But immediately a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit heard of him and came down and fell at his feet. Now the woman was a Gentile, Syrophoenician by birth, and she begged him to cast out the demon out of her daughter. And he said to her, let the children be fed first, for it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. But she answered him, Yes, Lord, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. And he said to her, For this statement, you may go your way. The demon has left your daughter. And she went home and found her child lying in a bed, and the demon was gone. And all God's people said, Amen to that. So, we come to a, a a challenging passage this morning, one that uh, it, there's a lot of different interpretations and views, and uh, it's been misused in many ways. I've heard it misused uh, openly downtown Dallas by by preachers. Um, we got to give some explanation here to talk a little bit about what's going on. What did Jesus mean? Here's our big idea. We're also going to look at uh, the, the deaf guy that Jesus healed immediately after this. But here's our big idea in this passage. Those who approach Jesus in faith find mercy and grace in their time of need. And they will even find help for their loved ones. Those who approach Jesus in faith find mercy and grace in their time of need. And will even find help for their loved ones. We see Jesus being available throughout the gospel of Mark, available to help people who are in need. We see that he's willing and he's able and he's available, he's approachable. There's many people who who seem to interrupt his schedule and, and, and jump on in and kind of get in the way of what he has going on. And he graciously takes time to help them out. Okay, including this Gentile woman here. Now, let's just briefly uh, talk a little bit about um, Tyre and Sidon. So Jesus was had been on a busy trip. Remember, he was uh, earlier on in, in Mark chapter six. Uh, him and his disciples were not finding uh, rest very well. It was difficult for them to find rest because Jesus's fame had spread. Everybody wanted to come around and experience some of the blessings that Jesus had to offer and wanted to hear some of the teaching and wanted to see some of the miracles and the, his name and fame spread. 
including uh, Gentiles, had heard about him. So Jesus goes to um, Tyre and Sidon, and Tyre and Sidon was probably represented, as one theologian put it, um, the most extreme expression of paganism, both actually and symbolically, that a Jew could expect to encounter. And so, so Jesus went to this area where uh, there was there were people there that Jews did not get along with, and it was unacceptable for for a woman like this this woman who approached Jesus to approach a Jewish rabbi for anything. So in that culture, it was unacceptable for that to happen. And so Jesus, in that moment, he makes a statement, and he says to her as she's begging him, she's begging him for her daughter, he said to her, let the children be fed first, for it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Now, that a disturbing statement for many of us, right? To say, let the children be fed first, for it is not right to take it, take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. This seems to many that Jesus was insulting this woman it seemed to many that jesus was racist and there was even a post uh recently a a, a young man was advocating that that jesus was racist and this woman changed his mind uh, about and jesus repented of his racism i think that's a poor interpretation of the scripture um but but theologians wrestle with this like how to how to make sense of this because we know that jesus Loves everybody, right? And we know that the gospel is for the nations, that the kingdom of God is not just for Israel, but for the entire world, for the Jew and the Gentile. Now, Matthew's gospel gives us a little, little insight here. He said in, or Matthew 15, 24, he answered it and he said, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Okay, so Matthew gives us an insight here. Mark doesn't include this statement in his gospel, but but Matthew does. Jesus had this mission, this strategic mission to reach Israel. From early on in history, God had chosen the Israelites to bring blessing to the entire world. Genesis chapter 12, God was going through Abraham's seed. God was going to bless all. All the families of the earth. Okay? So blessing was going to flow through the Israelites. God chose this small people and he chose to display his grace and his mercy and his kindness to them and through them. Isaiah 49 tells us that the gent, that the Jews were to be light to the Gentiles. They were to be witnesses to the pagan world, the unbelieving world. And so it was fitting in God's order of, of redemption history to bring the good news to the Israelites first. And from there, as Jesus said, his people would be witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the world. Right. And so we see this order. Paul talked about it when Paul went from city to city and place to place. Paul also followed this order of going to the Jewish synagogue first and preaching the gospel there. 
Paul went there and in Romans chapter 1 verse 16, he said, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God and the salvation to all who believe, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So God has this strategic order in redemption history to bring good news to the Jewish people and for them to hear it, receive it, believe it, and then herald it and share it with the world and be witnesses and be, be a blessing to the world. But throughout history, one of the problems with the Israelites, just like many people, is they reject the messengers that God sent their way so often. They stoned the prophets. They rejected the message and the messenger. And in Luke chapter 4, when Jesus was in his hometown of Nazareth, he mentions Elijah and Elijah being sent to this Gentile widow. And, and he, he, he gave a, a small indicator of his mission, the mission that would extend to the Gentiles. And this angered his hometown so much that they wanted to have Jesus thrown off a cliff. Alright? They wanted to have him thrown off the cliff. And so we see, and even in, in, in Matthew chapter 28, we see that God's plan, and, and Jesus is well aware of it, okay? He's aware of it at the beginning of his ministry in Luke chapter 4, when he's, when he's preaching to his hometown. He's, he's aware of it post-resurrection, when he tells his disciples, go make disciples of all nations, the Gentiles, not just, not just here in Jerusalem, not just here in Israel, but all nations go make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. See, Christianity is not just for the Jewish people. It's not just for one race. It's for all the tribes, every tribe and every tongue of the world. And when you get Christianity right, it dismantles racism and prejudice in the hearts of those who hear and believe the true message of the gospel. You see, Jesus was consistently crossing barriers, cultural barriers that many had set up wrongfully and who had missed the heart of God. One theologian, David Rhodes, points out regarding this specific story, he says this episode is fundamentally about crossing boundaries it challenges the reader not to set limits on the universality of the good news of the kingdom of God. Jesus was continually doing this. Uh, the woman at the well is a, is a great example. Okay, Jesus has this interaction with the Samaritan woman. Has this theological conversation and he impacts her life. His disciples were kind of like they didn't know what to think about it when they saw Jesus talking to a woman, a Samaritan woman, and then a woman of the city. Okay? She, she had been compromised morally. Right? And Jesus went right across in purity and righteousness, went right across that cultural boundary and he shared good news with her and impacted her life and changed her life. If you haven't seen The Chosen on that episode and on and the, the Chosen series, watch that and you'll be really encouraged as I, me and my family was as well. So Jesus gives a, a parable. Let's go back here just a moment. So was, was Jesus racist when, when he refers to the, the Israelites being first, the children must be fed first, and then 
he seemed to imply that the the dogs are the Gentiles. Now, many have used this. I, like I said, I, I was out on the streets of downtown Dallas before and engaged with um, a group called the Black Israelites. And this seemed to be one of their go-to verses to endorse a very extreme racist view that was uh, very troubling and disturbing to me. This verse has been misused to to uh, to promote racism and again Jesus was not racist he he tore down those barriers between Jew and Gentile but he had this priority within his ministry within the the 3 years of ministry that he had he was sent on mission according to his own words to impact Israel the Israelites to to bring the and then in turn there and make disciples and then from Israel the gospel and the kingdom expanding and spreading globally from there. So notice that in this verse where he says, "Let the children be fed first. That implies that the others are going to get fed later. And and theologians wrestle with this 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 word dog and, and many of them tend to point out that there that Jesus didn't use the um, the more severe word for dog, like scavenger, but he used the word that, that was more like puppies. Like in our canine loving culture, I think we can get that. You know, having a little puppy at the table that gets to uh, eat the scraps and that is uh, where they're, they're brought in to the family, uh, so to speak. Nevertheless, it's still it's still troubling that, that Jesus would, would quote this and use this language for many. Um, I think it's helpful to note that this is a parable. This is an analogy. And this woman picked up on it right away. She was witty. She was sharp. She realized what was going on. She didn't take offense to it. Uh, but she responded in a way that was honorable. Uh, one theologian here points out um, that it's first important to remember that Jesus is probably only quoting a popular, a popular proverb on the appropriateness of her action. Secondly, his quotation of the abusive terms dogs occasionally used for Gentiles did not mean that he recognized this description as in any sense accurate. There's just a couple thoughts there that might be helpful as you wrestle with this. But let me just point out a few things about this woman. Okay, in contrast to the religious leaders who had rejected Jesus's message in unbelief. And in contrast to Jesus' own disciples who struggled to understand and, and, and also struggled to, to believe many times as well. You have this Gentile woman, and, and I think it's beautiful that the Gospels highlight just a few times where Jesus is astonished, he's amazed, and he commends someone's faith, and it happens to be Gentiles. Those who are outside of the covenant, those who are outside of Israel being brought in, which is just a window, an indicator, a pointer to what would come next. Yeah, the children had to be fed first. The Israelites had to get the message of the gospel and hear the message and Jesus had to die. But things would change. Jesus came to change. He came to reform. He came to restore. He came to heal. He came to redeem. He came to tear down these barriers. And here's this woman who approaches Jesus who culturally is unacceptable to get anything from a Jewish rabbi, any, any favorable communication, any, any help. And she comes with persistence 
She comes with humility and she comes with faith. She comes to Jesus in faith. She heard about this Jesus guy. She heard about this miracle worker. And all of a sudden she had hope. No doubt she probably tried several things to help her daughter get better from this demonic oppression that was holding her daughter down. And parents, I know that you can relate. You can relate to having a love, a, one of your ch- children either sick or struggling. You can relate to that feeling. You can identify and know that if your child is in trouble, you're going to do anything you can to try to get help for your child because you love them. And so here is this desperate mother. By the way, this would have been a great message last week for Mother's Day. This, this woman of faith who came desperately before Jesus shows up and is begging for Jesus to deliver her daughter and Jesus favorably responds to her. He favorably responds to her. In, in Mark or Matthew 15, 28, he says, Oh woman, your, your great is your faith. Be it done to you as you desire. And her daughter was healed Instantly, her faith became, as Kent Hughes says, a beautiful prophecy of the gospel of Christ, which would be proclaimed with such power to the Gentile world. Now, even Jesus's own disciples struggled to get this paradigm shift that was coming because even Peter in Acts chapter 10. okay, and actually in in Acts chapter one and, and Jesus is resurrected and they're having conversations with Jesus. And they're like, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? They're still thinking just Israel. And he, Jesus is like, it's not for you to know the times and the seasons which the Father has prepared. Right? He says, but you will be witnesses. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the world. And Jesus is like expanding their perspective. Okay, guys, it's not just Israel. It's global. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. And praise God for for the gospel being for all of us Gentiles. Do we have any Jews here? Because if you're not Jewish, you're a Gentile. And if Jesus didn't come to save the whole world, there would be no hope. For us. But there is. Because Jesus came. For each of us. To redeem a people from every tribe. In every tongue. And so let's let's talk a little bit about this woman's faith. That was so precious. Remember that Jesus. Or Hebrews 11.6 says that without faith. It's impossible to please God. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. For he he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who seek him. The implication is, is with faith, we can delight and please God. And God looks favorably on those who come to him and put their faith in him, not in themselves and not in other sources, but in him and his son. Charles Spurgeon said this. He said, Our Lord had a very quick eye for spying faith. The Lord Jesus was charmed by the fair jewel of this woman's faith. And watching it, delighting in it, he resolved to turn it round and to set it in other lights 
that various facets of his of this priceless diamond might each flash its brilliance and delight his soul. What was Jesus doing in this moment when, when he made that statement, when he didn't seem to respond right away and say, okay, yeah, 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 I'll help you out. But he makes this statement about feeding the children first. And it seemed to be a barrier for this woman, but she didn't take, she wasn't insulted. She didn't take offense at Jesus. Instead, faith rose up, rose up in her and persevered. And she wasn't going to give up. She wasn't going to let the cultural barriers keep her back because she had a daughter that needed some help. She had faith and she had wit with humility. She was a witty woman. She was a witty woman. She responded. I like, I like witty people, especially witty people who are humble. Okay. They're funny. They can be funny. They can be pleasant to, to be around. Of course, when, when, when you got a witty person who's proud and arrogant, we don't like them as much because they, they might take jabs at us and make fun of us and make us feel really, really low with quick, sharp, witty comments that are disrespectful. But when you got wit with humility, coupled wit, coupled with humility, it's winsome. Okay? And that's what this, this woman had. She had, she had this wit. She answered Jesus's, uh, his parable his proverb, she she got it. Unlike the disciples who struggled with many things to get it real quick, they were hard of heart. They they you know, and, and we'll see that continued. We'll see that theme continued in Mark. Unlike uh, many of the Pharisees and, and 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 many of the crowds who just didn't understand, this woman got it and she responded with wit. She responded in a way that was honoring, not disrespectful. It wasn't proud, arrogant wit. That just took a jab at Jesus and disrespected him. It was this winsome, humble wit that she responded with. And she said, yes, Lord, but even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. Like she skillfully responded. She responded in faith. She persevered. She had this wit. She had this humility with her. Tim Keller in his book, Jesus is King. He says, in Western cultures, we don't have anything like this, this kind of assertiveness. We only have assertion of our rights. We do not know how to contend unless we are standing up for our rights, standing on our dignity, our goodness, and saying, this is what I'm owed. But this woman is not doing that at all. This is rightless assertiveness. Rightless assertiveness, something we know little about. She's not saying, Lord, give me what I deserve on the basis of my goodness. She is saying, give me what I don't deserve on the basis of your goodness. And I need it now. This is beautiful. This is beautiful. This is how we approach God in faith. This is how we approach Jesus in faith. We make an appeal to His mercy, to His grace. We come with confidence before His throne of grace that we may find mercy and grace to help us in time of need. Not because we deserve it, not because He owes us anything, but because He's good and He's gracious and He's merciful and He delights in dispensing grace and mercy to those who come to Him in faith. 
Another theologian from the Tyndale Commentary says that she must realize that her only hope lay in the uncovenanted mercies of God. Unless she was prepared to approach the Jewish Messiah in the knowledge that she was still a Gentile outside of the Old Covenant, then her day of healing had not yet come. After the cross, when the dividing wall had been broken down, it would be another world and Jew and Gentile made one in Christ. In the book of common prayer, they, uh, Kramer, I believe Thomas Kramer, uh, came up with this prayer from this particular story here. And I think there's some, some beautiful elements to it. And, and it goes like this. We do not presume to come to your table, merciful Lord, trusting in our own righteousness, but in your manifold and great mercies. We are not worthy so much as to gather the crumbs under your table, but you are the same Lord whose property is always to have mercy. I think the prayer, Lord Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me, is a good and fitting prayer for us to pray. Just try that, try that this week. Especially if you feel guilty, you violate your conscience, you blow it. And you're before God. Maybe you're struggling to pray because you feel guilty or ashamed about something you did or didn't do. Lord Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. She also had persistence. She begged him. She begged him to cast out the demon from her daughter. Denny Akin says that no doubt she knew how socially unacceptable it was for her to approach a Jewish rabbi on any level, yet she kept asking Jesus to drive out the demon out of her daughter. And she came boldly, but humbly, and she fell at at his feet, and she was persistent. Here is, here's a, a praying mama who won't give up. Again, I think this would be a great message for, for Mother's Day last week. I mean, how many stories have you heard of praying mamas or praying grandmothers who wouldn't stop praying for their child or their grandchild in tears and, and anguish on their knees, often praying for that loved one to come to Jesus? And then they came to Jesus. How many of you have come to Jesus as a result of a praying mama who wouldn't give up praying? All right. Yeah, or a praying aunt or a praying uncle was for me, uh, was, was a key, key person. Tim, Tim Keller says this. He says, there are cowards and there are regular people and there are heroes and then there are parents. Parents are not really on the spectrum from cowardice to courage because if your child is in jeopardy, you do what it takes to save her. You do whatever it takes, parents. You fight. You struggle, you press through that your child would get the care, the help, the deliverance needed until there's some relief, till there's rescue. And that's what this woman did and she didn't let the cultural barriers hold her back. She pressed through, she persisted, she prayed, if you will, for her daughter in a sense. She was petitioning Jesus for help and Jesus was her only hope. To see that happen. Again, there's a contrast here. There's a contrast between the religious community. And there's a contrast uh, even between the disciples with, with this woman. And Jesus also made a contrast in Luke chapter 10. He said, woe to you, Chorazin, and woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the mighty works done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago. Sitting in sackcloth and ashes. 
but it'll be more bearable in the judgment for Tyre and Sidon than for you. So again, it's interesting. Jesus is saying these, these Gentile areas, these people, if they would have saw what you saw, experienced what you experienced, they would have repented. All right. Think back to the book of Jonah, right? And the Ninevites. And, and, and Jonah's reluctance to go to the Ninevites because he didn't want mercy to be extended to these hostile Gentiles who were enemies of Israel. And we see the heart of God way back in the Old Testament. And the Lord is gracious and compassionate and slow to anger that he relents from disaster. And he, he chose to have mercy on the Ninevites through the preaching of Jonah. And his grace overcame the reluctance of this rebellious prophet. And his grace was given to these rebellious people who repented at the preaching of Jonah. Okay, let's go on to verse uh, 31. Then Jesus returned from the region of Tyre and went through Sidon to the Sea of Galilee. And in the region of the Diocopolis, they brought him to a man who was deaf and had a speech impediment. And they begged him to lay his hand on him. And taking him aside from the crowd privately, he put his fingers in his ears. And after spitting, touched his tongue, looking up to heaven, he sighed and said to him, Ephrata, that is, be opened. And his ears were opened. And his tongue was released. And he spoke plainly and jesus charged them to tell no one but the more he charged them the more zealously they proclaimed it and they were astonished beyond measure saying he has done all things well he even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak all god's people said Amen. amen to that so here again we see some people who brought this deaf man to Jesus. And surely they came in faith. They, they on behalf of this deaf man, they, they brought him and they're begging him. They begged him to lay his hand on them. They begged him. Just like this, 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 um, Gentile woman was begging Jesus to deliver her daughter. There's this pleading. There's this begging again on behalf of another. They're coming to Jesus in faith. And Jesus responds favorably to those who come to him in faith. And not just for them, but on behalf of another. We see Jesus show up with this, this deaf guy who had been deaf. And, and he does something kind of weird. I think it's kind of funny. He pulls him aside privately. He spits he puts his fingers in his ears, puts his fingers in his ears. It just kind of seems kind of weird. He spits and then he touches the guy's tongue with it. It, it just, it seems a little weird, but he seems to be indicating, he seems to be indicating that he's about to do something really special for this guy. He seems to be communicating to a guy who probably uh, can't communicate very well and speak. He can't speak very well and can't understand very well. I'm, Maybe he read lips. You know, maybe, I'm sure he developed some form of communication. Um, but Jesus communicates to him in a very tangible way. And he, with one word, he says, be opened. 
One word, he opens this guy's ears and he looses his tongue. One word, one command from Jesus. Now, who can do that? Now, I know we got some speech therapists here at, at City Church Garland, Colleen and my wife. You know, wouldn't that be awesome if you could do that for your patients, for your kids, and just say, you know, be loose to their tongue, and, and that's it, right? But but we, because we're limited, you know, we, and praise God we have therapy, and we have those who are skilled and trained, and you can see improvement as you work with people, and God uses speech therapists as instruments as, as instruments of his mercy, as conduits of his mercy and his grace to these patients. But Jesus is more than just a human. He was a human, fully human, but he's God. He's fully God, God in the flesh. And so God, just like in creation at the very beginning, he can say, let there be light. He could, with one word, speak something and, it's, and it happens. And here's Jesus. The son of God, the Messiah, fully God, fully man. And he just with one word, he heals this guy. And everyone's astonished. Everyone's marveling. And they say, he has done all things well. What a doxology. What a statement of praise. What, what a great verse to, to write on your refrigerator, put on the dashboard on your car, or just ingrain in, the, in, in your mind. He does all things well. When you look at God's work and you don't come to that conclusion, you're not seeing clearly. Okay? You're missing the goodness. When God created everything from the beginning, everything he made was good. He saw that it was good. He said that it was very good. Okay? And the creation still has lots of traces of goodness in it. Of course, it's been corrupted. We live in a fallen world, a post-Genesis 3 world, where there are tornadoes and hurricanes and COVID-19, and there's racism and war, bombs and fighting, and all kinds of terrible things going on in the world. But there's still lots of goodness around us. Looking at a little child right here that we have amongst us that's been adopted, brought into a loving family. We see traces of God's goodness, traces of God's kindness. And all throughout the world, and, and we need to have eyes to see, as Wilson said. We need to pull out the camera and take snapshots when we see goodness, when we see beauty. And we see God at work. We need to journal those things down. Take note. Remember. Don't forget. Don't forget the goodness of God in your life. He's done all things well. He's created well. He has sustained the creation well with the word of his power. He's provided well. He's protected well, he's delivered well. Just think about your own life and think about how God has done all things well. Perhaps there's somebody here struggling or watching online, struggling to believe this statement about Jesus. Perhaps there's somebody who can't say that wholeheartedly. He's done all things well. Maybe, maybe because you're single and God hasn't brought you a spouse yet. 
Or maybe you're married and, and you want to have kids, but you, God hasn't granted you children yet. And so you struggle to say, he's done all things well. Or maybe you have children that are away from the Lord and they haven't come to the Lord yet. And maybe it's hard for you to wholeheartedly say, he's done all things well. Maybe you struggle to say that when you when you watch the news and you see everything that's going on in the world. It's hard for you to reconcile a good and loving God with all the brokenness of the world. And you struggle to say he's done all things well. But it's important that you and I have a biblical worldview that we see the big picture that God created everything good. And it's not his fault that it's broken and marred and corrupted. Mankind has rebelled against God from the beginning and corruption and destruction and decay and death and suffering, disease and war have all come into the world as a result of our sin and our disobedience, not just Adam and Eve. But you and I have contributed to the sin and the corruption in this world. You and I have added to the pain and to the brokenness. We've been broken by it and we've broken others. We've hurt others. We've been hurt by it. We've been affected by it. And we've affected others. But Jesus came. God did something about the brokenness. God did something about the sin, the destruction, the despair, the demonic oppression the sickness. And we see Jesus. We see Jesus come on the scene. Bringing the kingdom of God. Restoring creation back to what it's meant to be. Displaying his goodness. Displaying his power. Displaying his mercy. And all of that is a foreshadow. It's a pointer to us. Of the new creation that will come when he restores all things. You see, it's not supposed to be like this. God designed it good. Mankind messed it up. I was at a men's conference years ago. I was listening to a guy named Erwin McManus and he had a, he had a nice little stereo playing. He was talking about sin and how mankind messed everything up and he had some nice, um, classical music playing and he was listening and he, and he was describing how this is this is how it was in god's creation when it was, everything was good and at harmony at peace and he and he took this little radio and he just smashed it and he says this is what happened when mankind rebelled against god and i was like whoa i want to try that sometime but i might traumatize everyone in the room if i do right and this is what happens because of sin We've broken this creation. We've broken others. We've broken relationships. We've hurt our, those closest to us. And Jesus comes in the midst of all that brokenness, in the midst of all that tension, and all the confusion, and he does all things well. He brings his kingdom. He heals the deaf, the mute. This is what the Messiah would do, Isaiah 35. This is what the Messiah would do. He would restore he would redeem. He would gather in the outcast. He would heal the broken. He'd cleanse the lepers. He'd forgive the guilty. He has done all things well. And he even makes the deaf to hear and the mute to speak. So let me close with just a couple of points of application. Appeal to the mercy of Jesus with confidence and persistence in your time of need. 
Follow the example of this Gentile woman who modeled great faith. Great faith. With what little information she had about Jesus and about the kingdom of God and about how God works. <laughs> she just came in faith. She heard about Jesus. She came in faith. And she persisted. She was confident. She was humble and respectful. She was witty. She appealed to the mercy of God. I think uh, <clears throat> in Matthew's gospel, she says, uh, have mercy on, on me, uh, son of David. Um, she makes that appeal to the mercy of God. She doesn't demand her rights and demand what she deserves or what she thinks is owed to her. She appeals to the mercy and to the grace of God with is what Keller calls rightless assertion. And then prayer. Pray persistently for others. Like this woman who kept bringing that request to Jesus for her daughter. Her daughter was demonically oppressed. She had an unclean spirit. And it, human logic and reasoning and therapy wasn't going to fix it. She needed the power of God. She needed the kingdom of God to penetrate this demonic stronghold over her daughter. And so pray persistently. Pray like the, the widow in Luke chapter 18 who just wouldn't quit. She kept going to the judge over and over and over again. And the judge finally gave her the, what she asked for, justice. Jesus taught that parable so that, that we should pray and not lose heart. That we should persist in prayer. And then lastly, behold God's good works. And be convinced that he does all things well. Look in your life. Look in your life at traces of God's goodness and how his hand has been upon you, how he has kept you, how he has provided for you, how he has opened up your eyes, your blind eyes and your deaf ears and loosed your mute tongue and set you free from demonic oppression, from sin's hold and Satan's hold. Behold the goodness of God in your life. And be convinced that he does all things well. And praise him for doing all things well. Praise him for his goodness. Exalt him for his goodness. Would you guys bow with me in prayer? Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Sing it with me. Praise Him all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye 
heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Lord, you are worthy of all praise. You do all things well. We thank you that you came to bring rescue. You came to bring reconciliation restoration and you've promised to restore all things and there will be a day when there's no more sickness no more suffering no more sorrow and we long for that day we long for your kingdom to come and your will to be done here on earth as it is in heaven and so we pray come Lord Jesus come come